Welcome to Orpini. This is Saratoga Beth. We are preparing for Chafesh Shvat, and we have a few questions. One of the questions that we want to start off with first is, what is it? What is Chafesh Shvat? Why is it? A, I mean, we understand it's the yard side of Rebbe Zimchayim Mushka, but besides that, why is it an important day for us? Do you know? Is it just a commemoration? Is that what it's about, or is it something more? And so the truth is that Chafesh, if you turn it around, it's Bucha. And Bukha Yavarach Yisrael are those, those are the words with which, um, Yaakov Avinu blessed his, 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 his progeny, his children, his seed forever. So Bukha Yavarach Yisrael means that this day, Chas Beis, Bukha, is a day from which, through which, and in which we are all blessed. So the day blesses and benches everybody in everything from it, through it, with it, by it, etc. In all things. Who's, who's blessed? Everybody. Or in what? Everything you need. For how long? Forever. So, um, and really, officially, it's the bracha to Ephraim and Menashe, but it's the, the it's, those are the children of Yaakov Avinu. We're the children of Yaakov Avinu. So, and it's such a bracha, it's the kind of bracha that from it come other brachas which produce others, which pr- produce others, it's it's kind of a, a seed that produces a tree, which produces fruit, which pre- pre- produces a seed, and it just keeps going and going and going forever. All the way to the end, the end of what? There is no end. The end of the Helen Mahester, the end of the concealment, and then the whole thing really blossoms and opens up. So Chafeshvat is really a day of blessing for, from this moment, into Geula, and then you you haven't seen anything yet. Then it'll really explode into a day of incredible blessing without any concealment for everything. And since it is obviously a feminine day, and we're going to say officially, since we see now that every time there's a Hasidic Yantas that comes along the past few years, there is a miracle, we are going to assume but there's going to be some kind of a miracle in the world, this Chafeshvat, and it's going to be something through a woman or for women or by women or something of the feminine energy. It's not going to be just a miracle, but we're assuming there is going to be a, a miracle in the world because Rebetzin Chayim Mushka is benching the, it's benching the world and it's a day through which in it, in etc. Through, by, for, there would be these brachas. So, and even though really it's connected to a yorzeit, but it's it's uh, a yurida, it's a descent that's for the purpose of an ascent. And what is the ascent that will come from this? We're talking about somebody having left the world, but it's really for the purpose of bilamavas lanesa, that the opposite of life will be um, swallowed up forever. dima and Hashem will wipe the tears off every face. So it is a day that not only will lead to no one ever having to cry again, but it is a day that is outside of the energy of and higher than the energy of tears, unless they're tears of joy. But tears of pain, God forbid, tears of pain seem to not be associated with that day. Although the irony is, the Rebbe lost his Rebbe on that day. So it seems like 
it would be the most tearful day of ever. You know, you see the videos and the pictures of the Leviathan. It was horrible. It was so, it was so incredibly sad. Seeing the Rebbe walk behind the Aaron, it was, it was really sad. And yet, the day itself is of the quality of all tears being wiped away forever. So we could say that we can look forward to this day, and as the Rebbe says, the living should take it to heart. We can look forward to this day as an opening for the end of pain and suffering. Amen, King Yerusha. So, and Dima is the Gematria Kufiotes, tears, Kufiotes, that if you just add one, Kufiat test is 119, capital Kufiat test, and if you add one to it, then you have Kufchaf, 120, to Rufeshe Melokim. So, and, and the idea of 120, Maishar Benu lived to 120, etc. So a fullness, a completeness. So, that means that this Indian, this day is specially connected, as we say, connected to women. And here it's connected to the daughter of the Reverayat of the sixth generation. So, uh, and, and, and what do we know about that generation? The daughter of the Reverayat. The Reverayat, and we will see, this whole Avaida is in three parts, as we're going to see, which puts its three different energies that we have in our lives. But you can say that the Rebbe Rayas's Avaida really brings to an end, a culmination, the whole Avaida of very, right from the beginning of time, beginning of Jewish history, until 1950. Yudshvat, 1950. So just picture that. Avram Avinu, even all the way back to Adam Arishan. Let's say Avram Avinu, born in the year actually 1948 from the beginning of time. And, but, and there we have Tafshin Yud, 5710. So imagine going from the year 1948 from the beginning of time till the year 5710. That's a lot of, I guess that's, what, whatever, some 4,000 years. There was an Avaida of struggle and suffering. And it never let up. You know, little vacations here and there. But it never let up. And this is what we were used to in Jewish history. And yet, it did come to an end. It came to a moment where the Avaida now switches to something different. A different frequency. And this switch in the Jewish world and in the generation and in history happened actually connected to women but women who are connected to a woman specifically who is connected to the Rebbe Raya, the Rebbe of the sixth generation. Um, so she has her own schus, Rebbe Zunchai Mushka, but she also has the schus of her father, and especially that a daughter has a special connection with the father, and she was educated through by him, through him. Because the Nasi Adar lifts up the whole generation, a Nasi Akal. So when it comes to the Nasi Adar's daughter and everything that she does, there is an Aliyah in the month of Shvat. 
in everything in her own union. And there's an aliyah for the Rebbe Rayat. His day of passing was Yod Shvat. On that day, the day of passing, there's a great aliyah in everything that was accomplished. And the fact that Rebbe Sinchayimushka, his daughter, her yardside is in the same month, we understand that there's something huge there. So, we're going to look at these numbers for a few minutes. Um, and we're going to look at different ways that it's expressed. As we say, three eras in the life, the Avaida, of the Rebbe Rayas. It's called 10, 11, and 22. So, we want to look at something before we go to that. Okay. What is 10? 10 is a normal, we said before, a normal way of living. In the box, decimal system, 10 commandments, 10 sayings that created the world, normal, conservative, regular, fits logic, kind of a world, kind of a way of serving Hashem. Number 10. Number 10 is the world. When Hashem sends his light down into the world, if you were going to give numbers, code, you know, let's, instead of saying Hashem is sending his light down into the world and the world is receiving his light, it's a lot of stuff to say. That's a lot of stuff to say. How about if we give code numbers to this concept and then we can talk faster? So, the light of Hashem, we would denote it by the number 11. 10 is the world. We had a, a, we'll see in a second what that means. Once upon a time, we stood at Harsinai, receiving the Tyra. What was it? Hashem revealed his infinite light. That doesn't fit into a box. You can't fit Hashem's infinite light into a box, right? Into the decimal system. You know, the Ten Commandments, Hashem's infinite light. So, when Hashem came down into the world, what was it? Hashem said like this, I want to bring my very essence down into this world. Okay? Let's give a number to Hashem's essence. 11. Let's give a number to the world. 10. The number for the world makes sense. It is a decimal system. We do have ten fingers and ten toes. It was created through ten sayings. And there are ten commandments in this world. Ten fifth, yeah, the world. But at Matan Taira, Hashem said, I'm going to bring my essence down into this world. The essence of Hashem is not something conservative that you can just fit into a box. It's something, it's the essence of Hashem. And Hashem said, I'm going to bring these two things together at Har Sinai. My very essence. What number would we call that? Eleven. It's called Antuchad Chushpan. The essence of something is not something you can put your fingers on. You can't count it. It's just the essence of things. It's like when you learn Tyra. Two things happen. You get a number ten experience. Meaning, you get a lot of good information. You can take notes. You can say it over at the Shabbos table. You can be somewhere. You can, you know, you try to remember the whole thing. You get a lot of information about the Parsha says this and that. That's a tenish kind of experience that happens when you're learning Tyra. 
The other thing that happens when you're learning Tyra is an 11-ish kind of experience, which is you develop a relationship with Hashem. And it becomes deeper all the time. So you don't get any info. Info is number 10. Fit it in a box. A relationship is not something you can fit in a box. It's number 11. 11 means, let's get used to this idea. 11 means the thing that you can't fit into the box. Something that, it's just not that kind of thing that you can fit it into a box. It means beyond, out of the box. If you can't fit it into a box, let's call it 11. To make it simple. Now, so that means that when we were standing at Har Sinai to receive the Tyra, Hashem was bringing 11 into 10. Because Hashem told us, I have a plan in mind. I want to reveal, it's called Gilea Atmos. I want to reveal my very, my real self down here in this world. I can't promise you it's going to be an easy experience at Hashem, but this is what I want to do. And ultimately, Geula will be this same thing. Finally, fully done. It's called Dira Loyes Barach B'Tachtayim. A dwelling place for Loyes Barach, for Hashem, blessed He, His very essence. A dwelling place for Hashem's essence. Let's give that the number 11. Hashem's essence, not in a box. A dwelling place for Hashem's essence. Where? Down here, B'Tachtayim, in the lowest world. The world of ten. The world where there are parking spots and gasoline and trees and, 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 and soup, bowls of soup and all that stuff. I want my essence. So Hashem said, because that's the way I want, that's what Mashiach will be. We're going to start, said Hashem, by doing it now. At Matan it probably won't be all in one shot, but it'll be the beginning. Now, here is the interesting thing. Hashem did it. He came down on Har Sinai, and he revealed himself through the Ten Commandments, the Aserah His essence, 11, was revealed through the Ten Commandments. And, and also the 11th, the 11 is the 11th commandment, which isn't a commandment at all. It's not another one. It's all of them together. The oneness, the unity of all the Ten Commandments, all that it's not part of the number. Anaychi, the essence of Hashem, which then became one of the words of the Ten Commandments. Good. So, now, did it work? He already started it. He said, I'm not just going to wait for Yemais Mashiach. This is what we're going to be doing forever and ever until Yemais Mashiach. We start now at the giving of the Tyrus. So, was he successful? Yes, Hashem was successful. He set out to do it, to reveal himself down here in this lower world, and he did it. Only thing is, that very high revelation did kind of break the world. You know, it was quite intense. Everybody passed away. A bird didn't twitter, nothing moved. It sort of broke all of nature. 
Now, this wasn't, God forbid, Hashem saying, oops, a little too intense there. Sorry, next time I'll, I'll try to tone it down. He knew exactly, he's Hashem. He knew exactly what he was doing. No doubt, I'm just going to, this is my thought, no doubt to open up the pores of the world. The world is not a place that really welcomes, the world is not a place at that point that welcomes Hashem. How do you know that? Well, we had just spent a couple of hundred years in uh, Mitzrayim, and they knew that we believe in Hashem. And they weren't exactly happy, were they? Why not? They said, you Jews, with your stuff about Hashem, no good. We don't like it. Now, they were the world. The land of Mitzrayim was the civilized world. So if you're looking at the world, you know, so before the Jewish people received the Torah, did the world welcome God? Was the world happy? Let's say they knew in the year 2448. Let's say the Mitzrayim knew, the civilized world knew, the stargazers knew, probably, in the year 2448, God will reveal himself and give the Torah to the world. Were the newspapers in Mitzrayim happily reporting it, saying this will be something amazing and looking forward to it? No siree. They were terrified of that day. They said, sorry, there is no place for Hashem in this world. And we are going to enslave the people who are the spokesmen for Hashem or still believe in Hashem. We will, I'm not even going to make the, par- I'm not even going to make the parallels with today, but anybody who is speaking about this God, Hashem, and looking forward to him being here in the world, we will shut down all social media and all ability. We will make sure they have no way to communicate their message to anyone. Because we don't want it. And we will do whatever we have to do to make sure that Matantyra doesn't happen. Now, how are they going to make sure that Matantyra doesn't happen? As we say, the Egyptians, who were the world at that point, there wasn't a whole lot much else going on in the world. They were the world. If They, they didn't want Matantyra. So they came up with this plan. Sounds very uh, current. They came up with a plan. They said, well, the Jews are going to be the ones, the ones that receive the Torah. And then God will be fully, God will be in the world from that point on. And and opportunities at Mount Torah will be there time and time again for people to bring God down into the world through these, you know, they suspected there would be something, mitzvahs. So we don't want that to happen. So what will we do? Well, we could do, um, okay, I'm not going to use current words. We could do election fraud. You know, we could, we could do stuff like let's enslave the Jews and make sure that they never get to Mount Sinai because we will keep them in Egypt forever. So if they never get to Mount Sinai and the Torah is supposed to be given to the world on Mount Sinai, and it's given for the Jews, and we make sure they never get there, then 
we, the Egyptians, will have what we want. We, the anti-God leftists, remember because um, Haro was the head of the leftist party. He was the far left. Still is. Right? He was the one who said, there's no God, I'm God. I made myself from the River Nile. I don't know who you're talking about, this Hashem. I looked in my book. He's not there. There's nobody there. Me. I'm the one who, and I'm going to control. Doesn't sound interesting? Said Paro, I'm going to control how people think, what they eat, what they drink, what they do, what they, you know. I will have them enslaved. I will control every detail of their lives. They will be my slaves. <laughs> right? Sounds very familiar. Why? Why will I do that? I do not because they have this belief in Hashem and it needs to be beaten out of them. Hmm. Interesting. So, and so, the, again, the Egyptians said, if we make sure that the Jews never leave our country because we keep them enslaved, plus, plus, so they'll never get to Mount Sinai and they'll never receive the Torah. The Torah will never be given in the world. Phew. Because Pharaoh knew one thing. He he needs to make sure that the Torah is never given in the world. So, by the way, small parenthetically, parenthetic comment, we are now on the way to not a second Matan Torah, but the revelation of Torah Chadasha Mititeite, the full revelation of Torah, called Torah Chadasha Mititeite, the Torah through Mashiach. Again, same Torah, but all the deepest parts, all the deepest secrets of Torah will be revealed. So we're, so to speak, as if we're standing ready for Matan Torah again. History repeats itself. Those who want it, those who welcome it, are looking forward to it. Those who feel threatened by it will do anything to make sure, God forbid, it doesn't happen by enslaving and controlling the people who want Hashem to run the world. Hmm. How interesting. Anyway, so why are we saying all of this? So, um, hope we're safe after saying this, right? But nobody listens to this podcast anyway, so we don't have to worry. So, this experience of Mazantaira that Paro was, Paro, the head of the far left, was fighting then with everything he had and is fighting now with everything he had. The experience in code numbers is called 11 into 10, the essence of Hashem revealed in the lowest world. And we said, Hashem did it. We miraculously remember. The problem is that Paro then and Paro now has what he believes to be a foolproof plan. He's got it all planned out, how he's going to enslave, and he did enslave, and he had everything planned out. And he had money, resources, people at his disposal, everything. There was one calculation that he didn't make, or he did, but it was what tripped him up. Maishra Benu of the generation. Maishra Benu. If Maishra Benu was around, it wasn't going to work. Paro's stargazers told him that. The Jews are going to have, there's going to be a baby born. 
and he's going to dethrone you and he's going to undo all of your plans. You feel like your plans are perfect. Moses is going to undo them, which is why Paro said, good, okay, so let's get rid of all the baby boys, God forbid. And the interesting thing is how Hashem smuggled Maishu Rabbeinu into the seat of government called Paro's Palace. Very interesting. Smuggled him in. How did, how did Hashem smuggle him in? So it wasn't obvious. And how did Hashem smuggle him in? Paro's daughter decided to become Jewish. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. And she smuggled in one of her own, right? She smuggled in my Shurvani. She got him in. Interesting. Now, by the way, remember we said, we're just going jumping a bit. Tafteshvat is about women. The daughter of the, of Maishrabenu of the generation. The wife of the Maishrabenu of the generation. There's going to be a miracle on Tafteshvat through a woman. Or women. Or something of that nature. Okay. So to finish off this, this concept, when, let's go back to Mount Sinai, giving of the Torah. When Hashem gave us the Torah, it worked. He did what he intended to do. He brought 11 into 10, his essence that revealed down here in this world. He did it. But it did break the world. Because the world wasn't yet really much a vessel. It wasn't, uh, you know, a fitting vessel for such a huge revelation. I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, there are, you know, there are stories about, you ever see these two boys that um, somebody bought them a little baby cub, little tiny sweet little baby cub from a pet store, and they, live in, they lived in, in London. I think everybody's seen the story. And they, this little baby cub was their pet, and they loved the baby cub, and the baby cub loved, loved them. But the baby cub got bigger and bigger and grew older and older and was became a giant lion. And at some point they realized you can't keep a lion, even if it's your pet, in your backyard in London, England. They realized they couldn't do it anymore. So they had to send their pet lion, which is a full-grown lion, to um, to Africa. Right? Because you can't it's one thing with a little cute little cub, or oh, I guess a cub is a bear. I'm not sure. Okay, but so they had a little lion, little lion, you know, like a little baby lion. But you can't, you know, maybe they even used to put it in a little plastic bathtub and give it a bath and all that. But there's a point at which it's just too big to be put in a plastic bathtub. Like it will break every bathtub. So why am I saying this? The revelation. When Hashem revealed himself at Mount Sinai, at Har Sinai, it was a very big revelation. The world was not sturdy enough to sustain such a revelation. So the world broke. Nothing moved, nothing, no sound, no movement, no this, no that, nothing. And every, and every Jew passed away ten times and had to be brought back with the due of, the due of 
Tchiyas Amesim with the Tyra of Tyra Chadasha, the Tyra of the future, you know, the deeper level of Tyra of the future. So, that's what happened. Okay, great. Here's the question. In Mashiach times, 3,333 plus years later, Hashem's going to do it again. That's what he told us. He's going to bring his essence down here into this physical world. It's called 11 into 10. And he will fully reveal himself in this physical world. So, oh no, again? Everybody's going to pass away 10 times? And again, the world will break? What are we going to do? Only this time, it's not going to be a one-time experience. How long did Mazen Torah take? I have no idea. 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour? I don't know. I never looked it up. It was a short experience. It was a short occurrence. And it's, that's it. A beginning and an end. And that was it. But when Hashem reveals himself to us in the future, in Mashiach times, it's not going to be a one-time experience. It's going to be forever. So how many times can the Jewish people, you know, leave the world and leave the world and the world can break and break and break and break? That's what we, that's, so who wants, who wants it? Nobody. So Hashem said, no, 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 you don't even have to worry. You don't understand. I'll tell you what to do. You're saying that the world was not a good vessel. The world was too delicate for such a big revelation, for so much light. Yeah. So Hashem said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to work on strengthening the world over all of the centuries so that when I come and I reveal myself forever in Mashiach times, the world will have become so strong that it not only won't break, it will be nurtured by my Hashem's revelation, me revealing myself. In fact, the world will be begging for me to reveal myself. Imagine Hashem is saying, and Maish Rebbeinu is telling us, in Mitzrayim they said, no God over here. No, Paro's the one. You know, Klipa is the one. We don't want any Hashem Yudke Bavke over here. No, 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 no. Sorry. The same kinds of people, 3,000 and some years later, when Mashiach comes, is fully revealed, will beg for Hashem to fill the world. Back then in 2448, they said, no. We're doing fine. We don't want Hashem. We will fight him with everything we have. And we will fight his representatives, the Jews. We'll enslave them. We'll do all kinds of things. We will not let Hashem into this world. It's all going to switch all going to be transformed. And the same kinds of people will come begging on their knees, Hashem, please reveal yourself and please be the king of the world. And please reveal Hashem we want you to be the king of the world. And we want all of this brought into the world through Mashiach. The world will beg for it. That's how much it will be, there will be that transformation. So, for that kind of transformation, you need to do a lot of work. 
you need to strengthen this world that's way too delicate for Hashem. Way too, way, way too, it's too easy for it to break and crack as it did. And you need to strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it. You know, the bathtub that you put, the, the plastic bathtub that you put the, um, the, 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 the lion in, the pla- gotta give up the plastic. You need to strengthen it till it becomes stainless steel or whatever, something unbreakable. Right? Unbreakable. So what did we do to strengthen the world? So Hashem said, I'll tell you what to do. Remember, the world has the number 10. That's the problem. It's, it's, I, Hashem said, you want me to dim my light? Remember, I brought my light, that's number 11, down into the world, that's number 10. And it broke the world. And Hashem knew it was going to, and he did it for a reason, maybe to just open up the pores of the world. Not sure. But Hashem calculated it perfectly, and he did it exactly the way he wanted. There were no mistakes. He didn't over... It was perfect. So Hashem said, you want next time that I should reduce my light? No, no, no. That's no good. That's not That's not the solution. Strengthen your vessel. Don't tell me to reduce my light. You strengthen your vessel. So Hashem gave us a way to do that. He said it's called... Torah and mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, you know, Ten Commandments. Ten, 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 ten. With the world, the world that was created through ten sayings. Ten. Work on the ten. Work on the ten. And we did. And it took an enormous amount of Mesiris Nefesh, Kiddush Hashem. This was not number ten. Because ten is, you know, a reasonable avida that you do, you do mitzvahs. But we did billions of mitzvahs throughout all the generations to make the world strong. We also did, you could say, an 11-ish kind of avayda, which is beyond the normal, which was Nasiris Nefesh and Kiddush Hashem. It wasn't something reasonable. Ten is a reasonable way of living. Do your mitzvahs, you know, fits in the world. Eleven is the, is unreasonable. So we were already mimicking throughout all the generations, what happened in modern Torah, 11 came into 10, and what will be in Mashiach plans, 11 will come into 10. We were already simulating it by having Mesiris Nefesh, that's 11, in a world of 10. And Kiddush Hashem, that's 11. It's not a reasonable thing to do in a world of 10. So here's the point, and this is where we'll... Um, We'll sum it all up. We understand this is what we are here to do. Will that ever be finished? Will there come a day when Hashem says, you did it, great, the world is strong enough? Says the Rebbe, yeah, absolutely. Okay. How will you know? I'll tell you. Okay. What do you think the name of that day will be? Well, it's going to be the tenth day. It's going to be Yud of some month. It's called Yud Shvat Tafshin Yud. The tenth day, remember, we're working on the world, making it strong. Ten. The tenth day. 
of the 11th month. Remember, we had all this 11-ish mysterious nefesh, and that's where we're headed. And we're bringing Hashem's essence, the 11, into the world. The 10th day, Yud, of the 11th month, Shvat, 5710. Says that moment culminated 5,710 years of, of Vaida to make the world strong. Well, really, I mean, since Matantara, 3,000 and some years. I guess you could say it culminated 3,000 and some years since Matantara of a Vaida in the world to make the world a strong enough vessel so that Hashem can reveal himself in Mashiach time. And that moment changed everything. That is Yudshvat. That was Yudshvat. 1950. 5710. And then, after that, we'll see what happens after that. And then, to finish off, we'll, we'll in our next audio, we'll talk about so what comes after that. So, to just end off, how do we know how do we know that the world didn't want Hashem's revelation for all those years till the year 5710 Tafshin Well, just look at Jewish, Jewish history. The Romans said, we love having Jewish people in the, in the world. We're trying to eat, drink, and be merry and just have a good time and do what we want to do. And we love having the Jewish people here reminding us that there's something called Hashem. No, not at all. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. He said, you come along with your mitzvahs and you just, while you come along, off with your head. God forbid. The Romans said, you and your thing about Hashem, leave the world. This is the eat, drink, and be merry world. This is Asaph. This was Asaph. This is an eat, drink, and be merry world. Get out of here. You don't belong here. And if you don't leave, we'll find ways to make you leave. Every, the Greeks said it, the Persians said it, the story of Purim, the Persians said, no room for the Jews, let's get rid of them all, every single one, let's wipe them all out, God forbid. The Greeks said, them and their whole philosophy about Hashem, sorry, we don't have to get rid of them all, although we, of that too, but we're just going to take away their philosophy. If they're willing to be like us and, and give up this fixation with Hashem, you know, fine. But otherwise, we're getting rid of the fixation of, of Hashem. The Egyptians, etc., etc. Every moment of history of Jew, the Rachmanesan, the Crusades, the, the Inquisition, the, the, the pogroms, every one of them, Rachmanesan, Rachmanesan, is the world saying, this is not a place for Hashem. This is an eat, drink, and be merry, and do what you feel like doing, and conquer the world for your own glory kind of a world. You Jews are a thorn in our side, giving us a guilty conscience, and we don't want you here. You don't belong in this world. You with your 11-ish revelation of God, the light of the shit, go away. This is a world of 10. Don't you see? It's a world with 10 fingers, 10 toes, decimal system. Get your ideas out of here, and you out of here too. You don't belong here. And even the BDS thing was like, there is no, the whole thing, 1948, the, the Arab world, 
There is no place for Jews in this world. Throw them in the ocean, God forbid. We don't want them with being the voice of conscience trying to remind us of infinite revelation of Hashem. That's what BDS is. There's no place for Jews. We don't want them here. You know, they used to have those very funny songs during the Obama administration, you know. So where should the Jews go? He said, under the sea. And they had this whole, you know, cute, very cute. Song of like, you just, listen, just go where you, go where we will feel comfortable with you. Where will you feel comfortable with us? Under the sea. There's plenty of room. You can go snorkeling. Just go under the sea. Just not on the surface of the earth. There's no place for you guys. This is the way it's been through Jewish history. So, by the way, a moment came when the miracle of miracles, an Asav person, who's from the people who, you know, eat, drink, and be merry and have a good time, said, I'll make a place for you. The world needs you. I don't want you to leave. I'm going to make it work for you. We need you. And everything started to change. But then, until we hit a, you know, a little detour. So, all we know is that everything's going as planned. And we're coming to the moment of Chaf Beishvat. And there's something uniquely feminine about, we didn't get look into what is really 11 and what is 22. We'll look into that in the next couple of audios. But we understand that a huge miracle is going to happen. This world is destined to all of them say, you Jews, you're the representatives of Hashem in this world. Please stay here and teach us. Please allow us to do tshuva for the horrific things we've done to you. We'll, 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 we'll compensate you for what we've done. We were wrong. Shekharin Silano of Our forefathers taught us lies. We have to figure out what we can do to compensate you for the horrors that we've perpetrated on you. Just because you stood up, you didn't bother us. It's true, you didn't bother us. We just stood up for the truth of Hashem, and we couldn't take it. And now the least we can do is build, help you build your third base in English, plus, 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 plus. So we're looking forward to the moment when there's the ultimate 11 and 10 Hashem revealed in this physical world through the base in English, Shlishi, and maybe immediately now.